You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind in all of existence. And you know, our podcast really helps any entrepreneur to get organized and manage their time better. We always bring you all the hacks from the brightest experts in the field talking about their road tested hacks and knowledge that they've learned all along the way and things that really work for them. So even if you're not chronically ill or disabled, this is a podcast for you. Before we get rolling with the show, I want to give a quick shout out to our sister company, J-Home Marketing and Creative Services, who specializes in copywriting, copy editing, and book editing, and allow our podcast to even be on the air. Remember their slogan, if you are seeking digital marketing help, marketing help rather, or assistance publishing your book, J-Hill provides expert copy and extraordinary results. I'm solo in the cockpit again today to talk to you about a subject that many people find emotional. I know I did when I had to confront it head on. And whether you are a person using this particular device or you are simply looking on and observing someone else, there is no getting around the fact that a wheelchair is an emotional apparatus. And maybe you are fortunate enough to never have to use a wheelchair. That's wonderful. And I wish you continued good fortune. I also ask you, if this is the case, to stay with us as we go a little deeper into this subject. We'll bounce around from explaining and defending ambulatory wheelchair use and what the heck that even is, what it feels like to be a first-time wheelchair user, and the guilt people in chairs feel, and the pressure, heavy pressure that is felt to look sick enough to warrant the use. Of course, I want to tie in how entrepreneurs who are chronically ill and disabled can use wheelchairs to their advantage to enable them to travel and do other things that they might not be able to do. And this is why we need to rise above the notion that our limitations have created some sort of ceiling in our lives. Because it's just not true. And you maybe even want to explore your goals differently, for example. I'm going to use the example of me trying to prove a point to myself. I think you know this by now, but I'm very much a hell yeah person who embraces the opportunity and then immediately stops and thinks, but wait, how will I do that? Why did I jump at the chance to debunk my own myth when I have no idea how I am actually going to accomplish this particular thing. I was invited to join an Alaskan cruise. And while that sounds lovely and life-changing, I started to realize I was, in effect, daring myself to take on adventures for the sake of taking them on and not because I would necessarily enjoy the experience. 
In fact, I just came back from Dallas about a week ago and it wiped me out. And if you're listening regularly, you know that was my third try to get there. Everyone else went to the cowboy club one night and I couldn't go. Catherine and I had to go back to the hotel instead, and the hotel lobby seemed like it was never ending. We shambled down the hall and up the stairs to our room, and then we were in for the night. But I made the right decision because by the next morning, I could hardly stand up. And that was with taking a pass on a night of fun. I know when I've reached the end of my rope in a day and that was it. So then I extrapolate forward in my mind and think about what it would look like to travel on a larger scale and for a longer period of time. It wasn't pretty. We would be flying all day, then jumping on a ship, and I have horrible lightheadedness anyway. So would it be a good or a bad thing to be off balance for a week? My point is that there are activities that need to be figured out or that even need to be passed up so that we can do the things that we can do more easily and that we can retain the energy to do them. In my mind, does it make sense to deplete myself as soon as I get to the ship and then I'll be stuck in the cabin and unable to do anything else or partake in activities? These are the questions that you have to ask yourself when you are looking at participating in life. When you're a chronically ill or disabled entrepreneur, I'm sure you're very familiar with that. Sure, this makes me a little sad, but I'm looking at the bigger picture. And being sad about this loss doesn't move me in life. It doesn't get me anywhere, but in the dumps and life is too short to stay in the dumps. And I'm not saying to discredit your emotions, but as the saying goes, don't unpack and live there. What you might try instead is what helps me, and that is to focus on what I can accomplish and savor in my life. I have mostly figured out that people basically fly or die. And that is why they populate the planes with all their cold and flu germs and everything else. I can't be fly or die. And maybe this is applicable to you too. I have to be more flexible because I can get to the airport and get sick like that. That happened. I can wake up in the morning and be sick and all plans are off too. And so we need to be nimble when we are in these states, and that's okay. That means being grateful for what can be done and forgiving and loving yourself through what can't be. It means detaching from hardcore expectations about your life, schedule, and pathways. You must be easygoing about these things that the majority of society is uptight about. And again, Feel your emotions about your trip being waylaid, but always, always, always make the decision that is in your best interest. And all of this leads up to wheelchairs. Why? Because wheelchairs are a tool. And as Robert, our producer, says, wheelchair users cut more lines than an addict. <laughs> and this is true. 
guess what? You get to take some joy from that, from those little things. Maybe try to focus on those aspects to make it easier for you to be in a chair. Being in a chair for me was a revelation of how I saw myself in the present and in the future. It was Mother's Day a couple of years ago, and my hub said when searching for a chair on Facebook, Facebook Marketplace, I didn't know this, but he had been thinking about this because we had been using them a lot at whatever store we happened to be in. And so he thought it was time that I got my own. So to receive the best, worst gift of my life, we drove over to the stranger's house and looked the wheelchair over, which was in mint shape, if a wheelchair can be. It also looked made for me. It was a little smaller and narrower, so I wouldn't float around on the seat as much, and I felt more secure. It had spots for my feet, and it even came with a little bag that could be hung off the back that I promptly did not use because it was ugly, but we replaced it with another one. It was the idea of it that was exciting. The woman asked me who the wheelchair was for. And I looked at her with my eyes shining with tears. I picked my head up and told her, me, it's mine. Oh, she said, as the truth of the matter hit her. I wasn't injured. You couldn't tell that from just looking at me. There didn't appear to be anything wrong. But I was sick, and she became a little bit antsy when she learned this fact. And that brings us into something else you might not have ever thought about, which is, and I know this to be true, I know this now, as an occasional wheelchair user, people in wheelchairs sometimes feel guilty for bringing mortality close to you. For reminding you that life isn't perfect and putting it close up in your face so you can't escape it. This, to me, I think is maybe part of the reason why some people in chairs don't smile at many or any people. And also because they feel like they're on display. Did you ever just want to silently slip in and out of a store because you weren't feeling or looking your best? Well, magnify that. In a chair, it feels like everyone is giving you the once-over as they try to figure out what is wrong with you. It's a fun new game that everybody around you seems to be playing, but you're not playing it. Conversely, if you look like you're having a good time, laughing, chatting it up, you can see from the expressions on their face that they're trying to figure out if you're faking or not. When the fact is, sometimes you just want to escape being in that chair and being looked at as a somber subject, a person who experienced some sort of devastation that appears to be the pigeonhole, the label that this is your life now. 
here comes the pity train. Let's all bow our heads as we honor the loss of mobility. But what people who are looking on don't know is I am smiling and having a good time because I am using my chair for its intended purpose. To live more fully, to allow me to do things I couldn't do otherwise, like walk the length of an airport, which can be miles long. I would not have been able to keep up without my silver bullet. The name of my chair that was came about after I read a Stephen King book or watched it on TV or whatever. So we regard our chairs with spite, grace, humility, joy, and gratitude. It is definitely a mixed bag. And I want you to switch your thinking on this if you can. Your chair or a chair you borrow is a tool. And this might sound invalidating to say, but life could always be worse. For what I do for a living, it would be worse to occasionally lose the use of my hands. And I'm sure if you think of your situation, you could say the same thing. We are not living the worst case scenario. In fact, we are living the best case scenario. You still get to have feelings about being in and using a chair. And even though I use a chair occasionally, here's something that'll blow your mind. Maybe not. It blew my mind. I had no idea that we need to learn about ambulatory wheelchair use. I read a story about a young lady who can walk short distances and she can drive as well because the other thing is that being in a chair doesn't mean you can't drive. Because you may have the use of your legs to operate the pedals, but you might not be able to walk. So this young lady packs her wheelchair in the trunk of her car and when she gets to her destination, she gets out the chair and maneuvers herself into it and then rolls around wherever she wants to go. She faced criticism because people thought she was faking. Well, I think this feeds the need to talk about the invisibility factor when it comes to diseases. We don't have the intimate information on why people are in a chair or even why somebody has a handicap placard. It is the person who is not the patient. It is their responsibility to let the person use the chair and get around in the way that they need to, no matter what tool or apparatus they are using, without judgment. And nothing is owed to the public because you are dealing with something publicly that you can't hide from and you're trying to live your life. It does not mean that you owe one damn bit of explanation to anybody. Nobody should be privy to your personal matters. We're trying to train up in a society that way anyways. If you're behind somebody at a grocery store and they can't pay, for example, or their card has declined, do we have the right to say to them, whoa, what happened? 
Did you overdraft on your account? What's going on? Of course we don't have the right to say that. And you know what? Nobody has the right to challenge us or ask us about why we're in the chair, why we're not in the chair. Are we sick enough to be in the chair just because they don't understand our personal lives? And because we have to spend even more time, even any time on this subject means work needs to be done. We shouldn't have to feel like there are two choices when we're in a chair if we're being ignored because being around people makes them uncomfortable or we're being given special treatment with people who go over the top to help you. And I love those people. But at the same time, it infantilizes you. And while it's nice to be looked after and loved and cared for, there is still a fierce need to be independent and viable. It's important to figure out how to do things for yourself. So if the day comes when you don't have wonderful people around you, you will not be lost. But it seems like there shouldn't just be two options. I can't see you. And oh, let me help you with every single thing, even things that I know you can do yourself. So I'm going to encourage you to see your chair as a helper. And I want other people to view other people's chairs as a helper, people who are not in chairs. I want you to hear this. If you use a chair, it's okay. It's great. We shouldn't even have to have a podcast on this. Use it to help you shop, buy business supplies so you can kick ass, buy comfy clothes to work in so you can stack cash from your bed, use your chair to attend seminars and speeches and even give those seminars and speeches. You can use it to fly, to cruise and ride the train. Use it to meet clients and the people on your team to get closer, but make your decisions based on you. You'll note I said, so you can cruise. I'm not going to cruise, and that's okay. But I am going to attend seminars and speeches, and I am going to speak at some point, and I'm going to have to figure it out. And I'm going to have to make sure that the effort that I expend to figure it out makes sense for the overall opportunity, meaning it's not so detrimental to my health that I'll end up in a hotel room unable to do anything. Use your chair proudly. Meet people's eyes when you speak to them or they speak to you. Do your part to educate people about your condition so that less work will have to be done by people in the future. But you also don't have to. I think it's important to share awareness, but I would never come down on somebody who said, you know, I don't want to talk about my personal situation, my health situation. When you educate people about your conditions, less work will have to be done by people in the future. 
I think I just said that. If it makes you angry that you even have to do this, think of the bigger picture and why people need you. It helps me to go out of my head and to imagine the ripple effects I'm having on others by participating in this way. And it seems more meaningful. People who you see and who are in chairs may not be in them all the time. That blew my mind. I wasn't in that headspace, so I I wasn't even thinking of it. I just thought, okay, wheelchair, and they live there, and that's just how they live life. They need accommodations. They're not going to get out. That's not true. They may be an occasional user. Maybe they're using it as they're recovering from a surgery or in some type of therapy. They may be an ambulatory user where they can set up the chair themselves and operate it. Or they may be in it all day, every day. They may be able to walk. But the effort to do so and to move about the world walking is exhausting. And so they have decided it's better for me to be less exhausted and to use a chair. Using a chair is all dependent on the person's unique situation. As a user, I'm encouraging you, I'm encouraging us to feel free to expand your emotions and get in touch with them. People late to the chair game. Of course, they never imagined that this would be their life. But there's only one guarantee to live a terrible life of change. And that is to center on it. The before and after. Before I was this person. After I'm this person. To just immerse yourself in it and never let go of what you think you lost. And you'll note I said, you think you lost. Because a lot of the time, what we lost is a figment in our minds. Oh, I was going to do this. I could have taken better care of myself. I could have qualified in that marathon. But that's not true, is it? If we look back, a lot of the time that's not true. If you had maintained your health, if your sickness, accident, or disability hadn't happened, likely we go on to take for granted our healthy bodies. So I wonder if we're angry too at ourselves for having taken our bodies for granted and for missing some opportunities. And that's okay. Again, all of this is okay. How you feel is okay. There's nothing that I want you to reject from your life in terms of emotions. I want you to feel it, accept it, but refuse to stay in that headspace of lack. And you want to make your life the best it can be despite the hardships. And you know, there's one way, like we talked about, to guarantee that your life is going to suck. And that is to make sure all day, every day, that you remain angry, you remain resentful at what happened to you, 
without your control, yes, your life is going to suck. Always. Unless you get real honest with yourself and ask why. What is saying my life is going to suck? What is that giving you? What is that? What type of reward is that? Are you getting attention? Does that make it feel okay to have given up some mobility because you get attention? I don't think you want to live that way. I don't want to live that way. Finally, I don't ask why. I don't even know if that ever came out to me because I I realized as I looked around, people have cancer. People have lost their children. People have gone broke. There's been all sorts of calamities and tragedy. I ask why not? Why, why shouldn't it be me? Why can't I do this if I figure it out? Why wouldn't I be one of the people to be afflicted when there are billions of people on this planet? Especially as we're all getting older and ingesting worse and worse food. If it is even food, food stuff, I guess we'll say. And if that is not you today, I have a sobering message that I don't really want to share with you, but I think you need to hear. It could be you tomorrow. All of us who are late to this chair life never, ever imagined that a split second, several hours recovering from an accident, learning we were life-changing and permanently sick, whatever happened to us. But it did. And this will keep happening. But you are in control of your depth of agony. If you want to have a shitty life, focus on what you lost. But to me, that is just wasted pain. That's like feeling the pain and having no gain. And you're not accepting the gifts that come out of it. Maybe, maybe you're just in disbelief that there can be any gifts that come out of this. But And some people get pissed off when you say, well, why did this happen? Well, it happened because, you know, you were meant to receive this gift. And some people were like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that gift. I want the old me. So maybe it's not a matter of why did this happen, but what am I supposed to do with this? What new information am I supposed to do with this? How is my life going to improve with new, this new condition? You're going to learn how resilient and innovative you are if you approach things this way. And you will learn that most people want to help you. And this is amazing because anytime you feel like crap about yourself, you just feel like, you know, the world's full of cruel people and nobody wants to help anybody. I am telling you what, get your ass in your wheelchair and go to the airport. Then watch people open doors for you. Watch people extend their hands to you. When's the last time you took the hand of a stranger to help you? I took the hand of a stranger. It was 
in a latex glove. There was this young man who was helping me come forward with the aid of an airport cane, which is all taped up and just a monstrosity. And he was like, okay, sweetie, come on. Can you stand up? Okay, good job. And took my hand, and his hand was warm in that latex glove. And I squeezed it to let him know I appreciated him so much. And I looked in his eyes and smiled. It's a good person. You're getting in touch with the good parts of people. And you'll miss out on that if you're a welly, as I call you, as I call you, because you won't be focused on that. You won't be looking for that. You are learning. You have other gifts besides your mobility. And as someone recently said, people don't fall in love with you because of your ability to get around. If I asked my husband that question, did you fall in love with me because of my mobility? Of course, he would make a weird expression on his face and then he'd say some crazy ass thing. And then he'd tell me I was a lunatic because it's a question that doesn't make sense. But we condemn ourselves to this reality anyway. We reduce ourselves as our mobility lessens. We become smaller and smaller. And maybe because we feel like we are inferior to others, we allow those wellies those well people to be in charge and ask, what's wrong with you? We give them the license to ask those questions instead of fighting that stigma and saying, you don't get to ask me that. That's rude. I would ask what's wrong with you, but it's quite obvious that you have some sort of inability to control your rude-ass mouth. I don't have to tell you anything to satisfy your morbid curiosity. Or you can look at it, if you're in the mood, to say, well, thank you for asking. I'm going to tell you about my disease now. And maybe they'll try and run away to go after him with your wheelchair. Hey, you asked me what's wrong with me. Come on. I'm answering your question. I personally like that option. It's like trapping somebody to listen to how many hours of labor you were in or some other crazy extended story about expelling a kidney stone that took 18 hours or whatever. The takeaway for you is that you are in charge of your body and your decisions. You are in charge of your consent and telling somebody to get bent if they make you uncomfortable. It doesn't matter what your physical shape is. What matters is you as a person get to have a voice as you figure out your new reality. Work on embracing all your tools. They allow you to get around and that's all they are. If we're going to minimize anything, let's not minimize the person using the tools. Let's minimize the tools as having some sort of meaning on this person. We have got to get comfortable with the situation. And I want you to help. I want you to knowingly go out there and contribute. I want you to bend down and smile at people. But then 
go on your way because it's not your business. I want you to nod your head. If somebody starts talking and they're in a chair, I want you to contribute like a good human. And those of you in the chair, you get to have a voice as you figure out your new reality. You get that. You get to have a voice. You get to decide what that looks like. And nobody else gets to decide that for you. So this week, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of mind mapping for yourself. I want you to figure out how you are contributing to the stigma if you're out of a chair, how you are contributing to the stigma if you're in a chair. That was a flip. That was a switch. You didn't expect it. You didn't see that coming. Came right at you. Because we all contribute to this environment that we're working to make better, and we all need to participate in it. And if you can't get unstuck in your mind about what you lost, ask yourself, am I mourning what I lost or what I was going to do with my life and now I'm pissed at myself? In that stage of bargaining, I wasn't done yet. All right, God, what if I just do this? Then can I have my mobility back? What if I, what if I just do this other thing? What if I give this up in my life? I'll never do this again. I'll never hurt somebody's feelings again. Can I have my legs back? We have to move out of that stage. And enjoy some of these perks. And I talked about it on the last episode, how you can enjoy parking and you get to enjoy it. I see people trudging all the way back, way back in the parking lot. I'm like, hey, see you inside, sucker. No. <laughs> but you get to enjoy that. You get to enjoy cutting the line. Like Robert says, like an addict, like it's worse than an addict. So remember, we are all in this together, no matter how you're participating. And I challenge you this week to think about that. I want you to think about how you have contributed to the stigma and then think about how you can help to break the stigma. This was a very emotional sick biz buzz for me, and I was really, really glad. I'm really glad to share that with you. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's topic on sick biz buzz. And one last thing before I let you go, just a little ask. Head on over to Barnes & Noble and pick up my latest book, Quasi-Memoir, An Inspirational Guide Amazon bestseller that I wrote for you called Sick Success. I want you to read it and find the pathways in your life that you've been looking for and start transforming yourself. 1% changes every single day. That's doable. That's it for today's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Be well. <laughs>